Hello, everybody. This is Nolan. Welcome to the first episode of One for One. I just wanted to do a little bit of an intro just to preface the technological issues we were having uh, with recording this initially. Uh, We were having a bit of a trouble with Zoom, and basically, Miles' voice kind of comes through quite a bit fuzzy in points. Mine does, too, but I did my best just to edit what we could. Uh, We have different plans in place for our next recording which should be on the weekend so i just wanted to let everyone know just so you're listening to this and you're not like what the hell's going on this sounds ridiculous but just wanted to let you guys all know and i hope you enjoy it thank you bye-bye hello everybody and welcome to the first inaugural episode of one for one i am one of your hosts nolan schumann spelt S-C-H-U-M-A-N-N, for anyone that might need to know. And I'm joined today by my good pal, Miles Fuchs. Miles, how you doing? Doing great. I'm not going to spell out my last name because it's too close to a curse word, but definitely good Nolan and shout out for letting you know. <laughs> um, so if anybody doesn't know, this is a podcast that's pretty much just about the Oilers. Mostly. Uh, we'll go with mostly. Uh, it's also going to be some NHL, just some standard NHL as well. It's just good life topics, maybe some music, um, a whole lot of everything altogether. But for the past six years, Miles and I have been really good friends and it's become a pretty well-growing bond over time. And, um, you know, it, it all, it all started when it all started when the Oilers won the 2015 draft lottery, the day it changed everyone's lives, not only Oilers fans lives, but people that were, Having a lot of fun making those first overall pick jokes. Yikes. Um, but nonetheless, it all happened because I decided to send Miles a text to fangirl one lovely, I think it was a Wednesday evening. I still have the screenshot. And ever since then, it's been a growing bond and a growing insanity for the Edmonton Oilers. Miles, would you like to interject with some thoughts? Well, you know, I, I think that, like Nolan said, over the last six years, pretty much all we talk about is uh, the Tim Robinson show on Netflix, I think you should leave, and the Edmonton Oilers. So we were talking one day and we were thinking, you know, what would be a good name for an Oilers podcast? And after suffering through the decade of darkness, we came to the idea of the Copper and Poo podcast. But I decided to scrap that one because we're going to be optimistic boys with what we're seeing from the team now and after that cup run where they lost to the, to the ducks, uh, we, we thought no more, no more wallowing. It's time to, time to look up. So we, we asked copper and poo. Then our next thought was, well, what about the 99 problems podcast? You know, a little Gretzky joke in there. Spoilers related 99. Ha, ha, ha. But then I thought that maybe um, JD's lawyers would be better than my lawyer, Jay Wan. So we decided to scrap that one. And, you know, we were both sitting there kind of scratching our brains back and forth. And we're like, what should we do? I can't think of anything. What is the most encompassing Oilers joke of all time? Uh, maybe not all time, but what do we what do we see more often than not in a trade, Nolan? It is the uh, underlying detail that the deal is one for one. We've got Larson and Hall. We've got Luch and Neal, minus the draft pick, LOL. It just comes up too much with the Oilers going one for one. It's two guys talking back one to one. So here we are with the one for one podcast. Excited to give you guys a first look into uh, what we've been 
have it on our minds for, for five or six years. I should probably interject because you are, you are a hundred percent correct. And, um, I just figured for history's sake, we should probably mention the Eberly for Strom and then Strom for Spooner. <sighs> but no, you're absolutely right. Too it's many been, one for ones. Too many. <laughs> it, Peter Shirelli lives on even even beyond the grave. It, man, the, that guy will be six feet under and he'll still be making one for one deals. <laughs> Nolan. I have to tell the story about when you grew the Peter Shirelli mustache. <laughs> so before Shirelli went completely off the deep end, trading guys for pucks. Um, and that top run when they lost to the Ducks, you know, Nolan and I were praising this man's name. We were ready to start a parade. And uh, Nolan actually shaved the mustache in because he wanted to look like Father Pete. Hindsight is, is 420 on that one. Hey, buddy. <laughs> I would almost make an argument it's negative 20 over negative 20. (laughs) (laughs) But nonetheless, this is an Oilers podcast, and it would not be the Oilers if we did not get along with – or get along with drinking that sweet Oilers training camp Kool-Aid. Let's get to it. So a couple of things. We're officially three days, or as I like to call it when I was 12 years old and waiting for Santa Claus to arrive, three sleeps, uh, until the Oilers played their first regular season game. Uh, there's been some really great notes coming out of training camp so far from a lot of the media, including the Zoom conferences, where we've learned a lot of info so far. Um, a couple of them being the big McDavid breakaway goal that was pretty nice being able not to tell which which players are on which teams that's also been incredibly frustrating uh, but nonetheless it's been it's been great so far um the big star of this all, of this whole training camp so far it seems has been Yesipulye Yarvi who has been a complete monster from everything we've all heard um Miles I know you have some thoughts on Yese Yese of a man, six foot four out of Finland, plays with his tongue up like Michael Jordan, probably can't, but I love it either way. Um, Nolan and I have been fighting about what we're going to call this first episode. I want to call it Suck Jesse's Toes. I'm going to do that a little bit later when I talk about him and Kyle Turris and kind of compare their career trajectories and how they're going to play so nice together on that third line. But uh, yeah, just like Nolan said, it's been tough to tell in this camp who's who, especially on that breakaway goal. Was it, you know, who did, who did, was it, was it Bear? Was it Nurse? Was it Dreisaitl? Was it recent Deport Cracknell? Who knows? And that's part of the joy. That's part of what we get to do here is, is talk about that and, and figure out uh, if it's A1 or, or, or tier three. Yes, he's going to be slurping up pucks like he's slurping up his nostrils when he's rushing down the ice. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I kill myself sometimes. Um, but, yeah, man, it's it's been, it's been really good so far. Uh, another bit is the rise of the Evan Bouchard, who's apparently having a really great camp so far. Um, what's that? Despite being skinny, all the oil shirts come in looking malnourished and weak. I just think that's so funny, man, that these media guys have the audacity to 
sit there with their with their barrels hanging out with mustard stains on their University of Alberta Golden Bears team polo. <laughs> I'm just imagining. <laughs> I'm just imagining last year Jim Matheson straight face just looking at the guy. You. F- fat piece of shit get the fuck off this team and then he comes in this year and he's just like oh wow evan you look you look great man did you see ethan bear they had a picture of ethan bear coming in he's looking big he is he's looking like the he's looking like the clucking hot sauce uh chicken from the from the bottle yeah ethan bear is looking really good it looks like he's wanting to build upon a pretty successful rookie season and hopefully turn this into a pretty nice, um, pretty nice long career with the Edmonton Oilers as a top four defenseman. I'm, I'm excited for him. There's going to be a lot of pressure on a lot of these D men this year, especially with Oscar Clefbaum being out for what looks to be the entire season. Maybe he's back for a playoff run. I don't know, but yeah, man, it's, I really want to see what Ethan bear has to offer this year. Um, Ethan Bear definitely showing his dedication to uh, off season work over great team, Kale Solid, not a big deal. But uh, you know, it would have been nice for him to say, Hey, Darnell, here's a speed ladder, let's work on a little bit of foot speed so you don't get burned, you know, night in, night out. But I'm a big nurse guy, we're all big nurse guys, we're hoping for a big year of nursing. Somebody's gonna have this stuff into that, into that cleft role and eat up a bunch of minutes. and you know, nurse has nurses up on a, he's a, his bridge deal is kind of ending right away. He, his he bridge to, deal just started. So he needs to show that he's, that he wants to get the bag and that he's going to be, you know, a number one D man in the NHL. So no better time than the present with the, the situation, right? Diamonds are formed under pressure to, for the, for the old analogy there. And I think, you know what? I think nurse can do it. He's got a uh, top tier athlete pedigree with his uncle being McNabb. Let's see what he can do. All the, all the power to him. The thing that I've also noticed is that there, it seems to be a lot of intensity uh, in this training camp so far. The one thing I did want to note on is the Alex Chase on Yarvi scrum. I don't know if it was necessarily a fight, but I think it was more of just uh, Yarvi just really getting in Alex's, Alex Chase on's grid square and really messing with his head most likely. Um, and... Also, it's probably going to be Yessi coming for Chason's job. I, I I really think that that's that that's a very big possibility. I like Alex Chason. I like what he has to offer. I'm forever thankful for the twenty uh, some odd goals or nineteen goals he provided in the season where the Oilers had absolutely zero talent, and then Peter Shirelli traded every somewhat bit of talent for a a, a seventh D man, but. At the end of the day, this is a team that needs to win. This is a team that has to prove to its two stars that they're willing to that they're willing to take that next step and they're willing to really make a push towards the Stanley Cup. Uh, but it's been it's 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 nice to see because now we're now we're really starting to see some real depth. I mean, Chason isn't guaranteed a top nine role. Absolutely. Uh, I think those additions, well, Jesse coming back is going to, Jesse Poonarvi coming back is going to be huge. The addition of Cahoon is, it gives so much more uh, dimension to that, to that top six. Um, 
you know, Yamo's breakout season last year is, is giving us a lot of hope as well. So, you know, it's, it's at a point for the Oilers now where Alex don't call him daddy chase on is not thrust into a top six role, but like can move up and down the lineup, be a power play specialist and, you know, and let's spread the wealth a little bit, redistribute the wealth on the, on the socialist and the Oilers forward group. And, <laughs> Dave Tippett's just Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Waskinen, you're playing tonight. Get in there. Ken Holland, I am in need and of your Ryan, assistance. Ryan and Ryan Nugent Hopkins be AOC just because they both have three letter names. If we're going to run this joke a little bit. <laughs> who is our uh uh who is who is the oilers uh hassan piker is that gonna be uh is that is that gonna be bob stoffer this podcast is over <laughs> thanks for tuning in it's been a wild ride it took 15 <laughs> On that note, let's look at our opening night lineups this year. Um, I've got some thoughts, and I don't really think I have to uh, be much of a hot take artist in order to give these thoughts. But so far, I'm kind of judging my lineup based off of what we're kind of seeing at a training camp so far. It seems that Dave Tippett likes his main three lines. I think the fourth line does have some areas where they can change things up a bit. But in our first line, I've got Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I've got Connor McDavid. I've got Zach Cassian. In my second line, I've got Dominic Cahoon, Leon Dreisaitl, and Kyle Yamamoto. On my third line, I've got Josh Archibald, Kyle Turris, Jesse Poliarve. And then on my fourth line, I've got Tyler Ennis, Jujar Kara, and Alex Chason. Now, moving that around you could maybe swap out Ennis for Neil or even some of those other guys that they've kind of got there. Maybe McLeod. I've been reading that McLeod might be a guy that the Oilers might want to bring on the taxi squad. I'm not sure. I'm not totally big on it. Um, do you have any thoughts on the four on the forward core at all? I think my thoughts on the, like I'm looking at your notes. I'm looking at my notes. I think they're pretty much the same. Again, Dave Curtis just being a realist. I think it's only a matter of time before Pugliarvi moves up and challenges Cassian for some top line minutes there. It'll be interesting to see how Tippett rolls this line out depending on, or not rolls his line out, but rolls his uh, line out depending on who they're playing in this North division and trying to match speed and size uh, to the other teams that they're playing. A lot of the roster makeup throughout that North division is, is interesting. You've got some teams that are pretty small, um, some teams that are pretty quick. Uh, some teams that are a nice mix and that's, you know, having Swiss army knife guys like Ennis and Archibald that can move around so that you can match your lineups a little bit better, I think is, is something that we haven't seen from the Oilers a whole heck of a lot. Uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't mention Tyler Benson, who's going to be a force on the taxi squad, potentially challenging for some minutes throughout the year as well. Um, I think it's this taxi squad idea is really interesting in the sense that it opens the door to, you know, French guys that would be getting a lot of minutes in 
AHL that now get to practice at NHL intensity every day, be around the coaching staff, be around guys like McDavid and Dreisaitl to, you know, maybe find another gear, see how the pros do it, learn a lot without having to be, you know, in the pressure cooker night in and night out where they feel rushed as, as prospects. So it'll be really interesting to see this taxi squad uh, and what, and what it becomes. Uh, I think we have the same taxi squad. I'll just roll out what, what we've kind of got here. Got Bouchard as our number one taxi guy, uh, followed by Russell. I have brackets in that order, exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. So no one's going to expand on that in a minute here. Um, we've got Nygaard, we've got Haas, Benson, as mentioned, and then Forsberg, who is going to be the third goalie for the Oilers this year. Excited about him as well. Guy that didn't really get a chance behind uh, behind the goalies in Carolina. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do with, with the older goalie tandem of Koskinen and Smith. Yeah. So the one thing I wanted to mention about Chris Russell is I, I really think Chris Russell is going to be kind of the ultimate wild card because he is, he is a good top six defenseman. I'll give him credit there. He belongs strictly as a top six defenseman. So in that third pairing role, I don't want to see Chris Russell in the top four at all, but I think, the I think the focus of the organization is going to be on getting Evan Bouchard in. Now, I don't think they're going to thrust Evan Bouchard into a role where he's playing on the left side as a righty. I think they're going to want to chuck him in when one of those guys goes down because it's an NHL season, and we all know that Adam Larson is one one bad block shot away from landing on the IR for six weeks. So I'm kind of looking at that as, this is a guy that Dave Tippett's really excited about, really wants to get in there. And I really think if they would have struck out on Tyson Berry and, or if they would have went for a guy like Jacob Markstrom, we would have definitely seen Evan Bouchard getting some major power play time and really getting some major minutes. I'm happy that he doesn't have to be put in that role right away. And he doesn't have to be forced into that situation of, playing heavy duty minutes because quite frankly, that's what happened with Justin Schultz and we all know how that turned out. So I'm happy with that. But like I said, I think Bouchard's going to be first on the pecking order. Russell is definitely right behind him though, because he, he is a valuable defenseman. I, 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 I like Chris Russell as a player and as a person, it seems like he is a pretty good guy and it seems like he's probably pretty well liked in the locker room, but I really think the focus of the organization is going to be on Evan Bouchard more than anything. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we have, we have pretty much the same taxi squad here. We are looking at Clefbaum and Neil on IR. Don't really see Neil having a huge role on the team this year. And if they could maybe keep him on IR or a possibility of him maybe hitting waivers, I'm not sure, but it's tough to it's tough to say at this point with him. He's kind of another one of those wild cards. He he could make the lineup and he could be put into a fourth line role. But as far as I know, the guy really wants to play in a top six role. That's the kind of player he is. He's a goal scorer. He isn't a banging bodies uh, defensive specialist. So it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens with James Neal. Um, did you have any last thoughts on the taxi squad or IR? Um, one one thing about Neil, you see on Instagram a lot. Well, okay, so what what kept Neil out last year was was an issue with his foot, right? You see on Instagram a lot that uh, James Neal wear Jordan fives. Somebody needs to have a talk with that man about uh, support and ankle stability. 
well because I don't think he's doing himself any favors. Like there comes a point, Mr. Neal, where you need to look in the mirror and say, do I want to look, do I want to step out hot with my game on point or do I want to play hockey? Just kidding. I love James Neal. When they got him last year, I cried grown man tears. I was in the crowd last year for the game against the Detroit Red Wings early in the season when they busted out those thirds. And uh, James Neal scored. And I sat in the crowd and cried grown man tears of joy. So no one wants to see James Neal succeed more than I do. But like you said, it's finding it's finding his spot in there. And as you know, players move around, it's a, it's a long, short season. We're going to see guy go, guys go down. Rooting for James Neal. I hope he comes back. I really want to see 18 out there again. And I think it's just a matter of time before he is. On a side note, I'd be remiss to say that there's a really hot photo of James Neal smiling with his perfect teeth, giving the friggin' horns, and wearing a really sick SB. So we should probably let everyone know about that. Um, I'll maybe one day have to post that photo somewhere because it's just it's it's too it's too good. Oh, and he's also holding a guitar too, which is just adds to it. He lived in Las Vegas for a year. Like that man had access to stores that we can only dream of, and you know that he's a club chaser. <laughs> you know that he's good about it. So you know what? Keep it going, James. Go to West Ed. Figure it out. Find you. That's what life's about. Go to Galaxyland, man. Have some fun. Go to the water park. Get wet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, let's talk about the defenseman. I think this is pretty standard. This is most likely going to be the pairings going forward. The third pairing may may have a little bit of competition depending on what the organization wants to do. But I'm looking at Darnell Nurse, Ethan Bear, Caleb Jones, Adam Larson, and I have Slater Cuckoo starting with Tyson Berry. Tyson Berry obviously has the role sealed down, but with Slater Cuckoo, that could be just about anybody. It could be Cuckoo, it could be Russell, it could be uh, uh, Logason, whoever. Um, did you have any thoughts about the defensive pairings? Uh, well, just to, be, just to be a little bit different, I put Willie Legison making it in over uh, Slater. And that's just because I think over the past couple, well, past year, you've seen that the organization is, is really big on Willie and wanting to have him around and he's getting called up and getting looks and stuff like that. So I don't know. I like the game William Legison plays. He's a guy who's 24. Um, just like you said, it could be Slater, it could be Willie, it could be Chris Russell. Slater, Cuckoo looked really good in that opening series against the Oilers. Like a lot of metrics were showing that he was the best defensive on that Chicago Blackhawks team, which is not the greatest uh, compliment to give. (laughs) But so you can say whatever you want. Um, I was really stoked when I saw that they were getting Slater Cuckoo. So I'd like to see see him some minutes and, and get out there and show what he can do. So excited to see how that unfolds. The one thing I have noticed too about training camp so far is the forward group, it seems like they're doing pairings. So what Dave Tippett kind of wants to do is move guys around based off of obviously obviously like how performance is going. Um, but I think he has these duos that he wants to keep together and then kind of disperse throughout the lineup and kind of make his changes based off that. But the one that I've been really interested in is Kyle Turris and Yessi Puliyarvi. I do not think 
Yes, Yarby is going to be pulled off of t- Kyle Turris's line unless he scores like a bajillion goals or he uh, plays himself off the roster. I have no idea, but you had some interesting points about Yesse and Kyle Turris that I was wondering if you wanted to jump into. Yeah, absolutely. So Kyle Turris did an interview with the Edmonton Journal recently. He was, I'm going to paraphrase most of this, uh, kind of what he was saying and with my own conclusions a little bit, but Turris went in the draft third overall out of the BCA. Yesse Pugliarvi went fourth overall out of the Finnish league, right? So two guys that were high draft picks, um, bigger bodies, forwards that, you know, came from hockey programs, not like the CHL factory or the USA uh, Development League or Russia or anything like that. And Curtis uh, stepped onto that Arizona Phoenix team as a young guy with a lot to prove and didn't come out so hot. He had Dave Tippett in Arizona who was coaching him and kind of helped him get a little bit of a resurgence before he got shipped off to Ottawa. Um, but in Ottawa, Turris kind of found his game a little bit more. He had guys like Spetsa and Daniel Alfredson that were prompting him up, showing him what it was like to be a pro, saying, you know, bad days happen. It's going to happen to everybody. You can get better. This is how you do it. So I think Jesse, who is, you know, coming off of some concerns in a year in Finland where he, he found his game a little bit more, got some of his confidence back, got some of his, you know, love for hockey back a little bit, is is very similar to Turris landing in Ottawa. And, you know, Turris' Spezza and Alfredson could very well, you know, be emulated in in Jesse's game uh, from Kyle Turris and Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Um, it's also kind of cool that uh, Turris played in that 2013-2012 lockout season in Finland for the same team that Jesse Gliarvi was playing for. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it because I don't want to do very French language like that. But uh, I'm sure that they'll have a few more things to talk about on that personal level. It goes to show every year that guys that, you know, are bought in and have friends on the team and have that camaraderie um, play harder for each other. And I think just like you're saying, Jesse Pugliarvi and Kyle Torres are going to be a really, really nice match. They, they match very nicely. They've got similar stories. Um, you know, not to mention that uh, Kyle Torres almost got drafted by the Oilers. He would have uh, his coach on that BC team was Bill Ranford, former Oiler, right? So we're getting like that. Uh, instead, that's Gagne. So, I guess it all worked out in the end. I, I personally think, I'm saying it right now, Pugliarvi is going to be well over 20 goals. I'm, I'm very high on Pugliarvi. Well over 20 goals. Well, actually, if you go and make some bets right now, you can actually hit Yesi Pugliarvi at, I believe it's eight and a half goals. So if you want to slam that over, I think oh, you can I'm get a plus smashing. 105. I'm smashing it. Lock that in. Everybody at home, lock that in. It's it's looking really good. It seems that we actually have competition on this team for once, and it's it's so it's so nice to see. I I just I just can't wait for this season. I'm I'm so excited. I I'm I'm we're way past the days of saying that Gaetan Haas might make a power play one option in front of the net, or uh, Ty Ratty is going to score forty goals for us. <laughs> oh my god! So this is great to see, man. This is. This is awesome. I'm so excited, and I want the best for Yesa Pugliarvi. Um, well, probably... you, t- you, <laughs> t- you talked about it. Pre- you talked about it a little bit earlier. Um, Yesi Pugliarvi, um, Alex Chase on scrap. Why does that make you so excited? Why are you fired up when guys fighting? 
Well, I think if there's one thing we can learn from past history is it it looks like it's pretty good that you fight in practice because the St. Louis Blues did it this season. They won the Stanley Cup. So that automatically means that the Oilers are going to win the Cup this year. So, I mean, lock that in while we're at it. Uh, for full disclosure, we are by no means homers. Absolutely not homers for the Oilers. No, no way. At all. That's just objective fact. Blues fight and the Oilers fight. They win the Cup. It is what it is. Lock that in. Lock it in. Smash smash that Oilers Cup winning season. Uh, On that note, uh, outlook for the Oilers season. They are going to be 56-0, complete sweep to the Cup final, uh, going 16-0 in the playoffs. Uh, Connor McDavid scores 125 points in the playoffs. uh, Name the Conn Smythe winner. Leon Dreisel scores 124. Okay, we're done. Bye. Uh, No, we should probably get into the upcoming season. Um, Do you have any sort of thoughts on how this all-Canadian division is looking like? The Scotiabank North Division, Nolan, oh, looks sorry. to be... <laughs> hey, spot, no free ads, but you have to respect the sponsors. Uh, big thanks to Scotiabank for doing this for the Canadian kids. But uh, I'm really excited to see this all-Canadian North Division. Um, anytime you get to see, what is it, what do we got, nine or ten battles of Alberta this year? Amazing. Uh, all those matchups against the Canucks, good rivalry there as well. I'm really, really pumped to see um, McDavid go against the Leafs. He always seems to find another gear against that team. Um, I like watching uh, Matthews play as well. Uh, just guys got a whip of shots. So getting to see a little bit more Oilers games against the Buds is going to be really nice. Um, but that being said, it's going to be really interesting to see how that translates in the standings. Um, oh, didn't even talk about the Kachuk-Kachuk matchup. Brady and Matthew going at each other that many times a year is going to be something that, you know, is is awesome. You don't really get to see in a traditional East-West split. So that is, is a true draw, in my opinion. Um, but looking at the Oilers specifically, I don't believe they will win the North Division. I think the best would be second place, but I think they'll land in third. Um in my opinion, I don't think Vancouver's for real. I think you're going to see a little bit of a sophomore slump from them. Like, I think Thatcher Demko's a really good goalie. I don't think that he's going to be... He's going to have some learning curves. He's going to have some bad nights uh, playing against some really good offenses in the North Division. So I don't see Vancouver being up there. I do think Toronto is going to... You know, their team that's built for the regular season, they're going to be pretty strong. Uh, it, could some, it could surprise some people, although uh, it's going to be wonderful to see uh, David get to burn Tanev and Night Out. That's going to be fantastic. Um, I don't think Montreal is going to be great. Winnipeg, probably not terrific. Um, but it, it's really going to come down to the Buds, the Flames, and the Oilers for one, two, three. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. that's kind of what I'm thinking with that, Nolan. How, how do you think? Am I a homer? No, I... I think, uh, I, I think personally, I think third might actually be pretty pessimistic. I think Toronto is probably going to finish first. They're built for the regular season. They absolutely are. And they made some pretty good additions this year. And even though I live in Ontario and I despise Toronto Maple Leafs with every fiber of my being, I, like you said, I really like watching Matthews. Marner's is really good. Morgan Riley's a really good defenseman as well. William Nylander is also really good too. So they have a lot of talent on the team and I think they're going to score a ton of goals. 
I don't think Calgary is going to be very good. I think Jacob Markstrom is going to be bad this year. I think last year was kind of a lightning in the bottle sort of situation. And I, he was obviously pretty good the year before, but it's funny looking at a lot of people talking about sort of the Oilers struggles and what kind of team they are. And the, the blame always gets pointed to the goaltending and I don't get why, because Koskinen and Jacob Markstrom had almost the identical save percentage. So I don't think giving almost six million or what do you get five and a half million dollars from the flames? I mean, I just, I don't think that was a smart, I'm so glad Ken Holland did not go for that. Yeah, I think it, I think it was a six, but that, like what you're saying, though, that like the Flames going six years on Jacob Markstrom when their prospect Dustin Wolf is supposed to be, you know, God's gift to goaltending coming out of Everett. He didn't even, that kid didn't start for the USA World Junior Team. I think he was a seventh round pick, and Spencer Knight was a first round pick. But like they were the goal, goalie duo for the USB team the past two years for World Juniors. But like the, the Flames have this history of just poor goaltending prospects. Not that the Oilers is any better. I'm not trying to say that, but they're really high on Dustin Wolf. And this kid is in his last year of WHL eligibility. It's only a matter of time before he's in the NHL. So why are you signing Marshall to a six year deal? If you have for that much money, if your ultimate plan is to have Dustin Wolf come in in, in two, three years and, and be your workhorse 67 game goalie. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I I don't I don't get it and I don't like their decor. I think it's aging a lot. You have to have a lot of faith in guys like Yusuf Alamaki and Rasmus Anderson. But enough about the Flames because I have talked way too much on the Flames and I if I hate Toronto, I hate the Flames just as much. Um but yeah, you touched on Vancouver. I don't know if Vancouver is going to be as good as they were last year. I don't think the decor on Winnipeg is going to be able to handle a lot of those speedy forwards in this division. And you got to pray Connor Hellebuck is able to basically make every save possible. And with goaltending, it's much of a voodoo science more than anything. It's so tough to find those consistent goaltenders that can steal seasons for you year in and year out. And I mean, obviously with Montreal and, uh, Ottawa. I just, I like the additions Montreal made and I could see them making that push for that second or third spot in the division and Ottawa. They're the ultimate wild card too. I mean, you see some of those younger teams kind of come in and just completely go full inferno mode on the entire league. But I don't think Ottawa is going to be able to do that this year, but ultimately I think, Ultimately, I think the Oilers are going to end up in second place. I'll just put it at that. Yeah, very fair. Uh, another thing to consider, too, is the makeup of the schedule in the, in the COVID year. There's going to be a lot of back-to-back games, a lot of three and fours. Um, so that's what makes me think that the younger teams, like what you were, the younger teams are going to, the speedier teams are going to have a little bit of advantage. Um, so those teams with a lot older defense, decors are going to be feeling that. Um, I think that's something that plays into the Oilers' favor as well, obviously having fast forwards, but having a big goal to them. Um, probably second, if I was uh, if I was looking at it objectively in the North Division, I think Montreal's got a better one with Dave Allen and Harry Price. But looking at like a pure 
one for one comparison of every team's bullpen and uh, duos. I, I think Edmonton is is put in a position to be able to put the guy in the crease that's going to be fresh and you know be competitive with one another. We saw it a lot last year where one guy would have a bad game and then the next night the other goalie would come in and, and stand on his head and play well for the Oilers. So this schedule makeup, this fast forward group, this young decor that is you know from all accounts, transitioning the puck, moving the puck very well in this camp, uh, I think really plays into the favor of, of the boys here. Yeah, absolutely. You brought in Tyson Berry, obviously, to step in on that power play unit, which I, I think he's going to just be awesome. I think Tyson Berry is going to have a, a huge year, and I think he's going to be paid a lot of money in this offseason. And ultimately, I think he's going to also help out five on five as well. He's just going to he's just going to launch that puck up the ice for the boys. So, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, so we kind of have both of our thoughts on how the season's looking. Um, I think we can probably talk about maybe the 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 negative side of hockey if you live north of the what's the border called between the between the states in Canada? Is there a name for it? Uh, the wall, Trump's wall. Fortieth <laughs> parallel. <laughs> well, nonetheless, uh, Canada lost, which is really sad. Um, but ultimately, the team was really good, and I will say, if we're going to talk about him right now, I love what I see from Dylan Holloway. I think Dylan Holloway is going to be the perfect winger for McDavid. I. He was a he he was a complete freak on the forecheck in that uh, gold medal game, and I was really excited to see what he has to offer. Um, I want to see what he's doing in Wisconsin for the rest of the year. I want to see how he plays. I want to see if he's going to be able to take that step of, of of getting a little bit more creative offensively, being able to hold on to the puck a little bit more. But even if it's just him driving towards the net with that speed and then that fucking tenacity on the penalty kill, I. I love that. I love seeing that. And if there's anything we've learned, um, if if there's anything we've learned over this time, is Connor McDavid does not need a guy that holds onto the puck. Taylor Hall didn't work with Connor, and but I think a guy like Dylan Holloway will be perfect with Connor. Uh, did you have any thoughts on World Juniors? Uh, I was actually pretty lucky. I got to watch a lot of uh, Sweden games. A good buddy of mine's uh, fiance is from Sweden, so. He likes to talk. Uh, he likes to talk hockey. He likes to talk about Swedish hockey. I like the Oilers. I like Broberg, so I tuned into a lot of their games as well. Uh, obviously, Broberg didn't have a terrific tournament. Looked like he was playing hurt a lot. Um, that Sweden coaching staff were him. You could tell that by you know the end of the tournament that that he was looking a little gassed. Young guy, um, big body, uh, a big body defenseman moves the puck really well. Uh, I'm really excited to see what he does as he gets a little bit older, fills out his frame a little bit more. But you know what you're getting with Philip Robert and you know what you're seeing in the his SHL season and he's playing pretty well. So it's something else to keep an eye on with with Holloway and Broberg and just kind of watching how their seasons in their various leagues go. But um, promising nonetheless. Yeah, I think with Broberg, I am trying to tell everybody this that I meet that is freaking out about the team, but you have to be patient with demon. You have to just give them time to develop. It's so important with a guy that has raw skills like Philip Broberg. He like, 
I'm so excited about them, but at the same time, I'm also trying to temper my expectations and trying to remind myself, like, the guy is 19 years old, and he's just getting top four minutes in Sweden. Um, From what I read after the World Junior Tournament, he's actually out for two weeks. He's got some soft tissue damage, I believe, in his shoulder, which Oilers defensemen and shoulder injuries do not go well. But And then I I guess there was also – a Charlie horse that he also had that he, that was bothering pretty much the entire tournament, but no, man, he like the, the speed he provides and the, the transition of the puck, like he looks like Darnell nurse, but he can actually hit the net for some reason, which is incredibly surprising, but I, I'm, I'm excited with him. I want to see him just take his time, develop. I don't need to see him back in Canada this year, keep him in Sweden, let him develop, let him season and become that defenseman he can become because honestly, like this is, this is no joke. And this is what I personally think of him. If you, if he develops the way that I personally think he can, I think he's, I really think he could be similar to like a Victor Hedman. Like he could be top pairing defenseman potential. I, I'm really high on Philip Roberg, but once again, just patience, patience is so important. Grab the salt, throw it over your shoulder, spin around in a circle three times. I'm not superstitious. You are. I'm getting I'm getting a fucking Ouija board and I am praying towards the other side of the grave that Philip Broberg becomes uh Nicholas Lidstrom. But well coming out of the draft, he like you said about the headman comparison, coming out of the draft, um a lot of scouts were saying he, he skates like Eric Carlson. And Eric Carlson got a lot of comparisons to Nick Lindstrom. So if we're speaking in the same breath about Lindstrom Carlson and Broberg as like pure prospects and what they can become. Oh, baby, that's good stuff. You know what? Even if you, even if you were to become a guy like, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a top four D man. That's like pretty good. Uh, You know, even if he becomes like an Oliver Ekman Larson for, for all we know, Oliver Ekman Larson in his prime is a, fucking great defenseman so even if he becomes that i'd be more than happy but i i want them to just take their time calm down don't overreact to the world junior tournament because quite frankly the world junior tournament doesn't tell us everything about a player if, if there's one thing I, I've, I've learned over the past week or so is even a guy like Trevor Zegers, people are talking about him being, you know, probably the best prospect not playing in the NHL. But people seem to forget that Jordan Schrader was the one that was holding the U.S. record uh, before uh, before uh, Trevor Zegers tied it. And where where's Jordan Schrader? I mean, it, it's it's so tough to sort of get an idea of where of where a prospect can be based off the World Junior Tournament. Cody Hodgson for Team Canada was a, coming out of the tournament was looking like he was going to be an absolute menace to society and really never you know materialized in the NHL. Uh, but just to be said, there's lots of guys that show up for the tournament, play on real, doesn't translate to an NHL career. There's guys that play okay in the tournament and have fantastic NHL careers. So uh, all we really need to worry about is not getting stuck in a garbage can and, you know, looking forward to a good season of NHL hockey finally coming back. Fun fact, somebody from Owen Sound, Ontario, told me that Cody Hodgson was going to be better than Jordan Everly and Taylor Hall, so we should just take that uh, take that for what it's worth. 
Um, what are your plans for Wednesday, Miles? It's uh, obviously a really big night coming up. So what kind of jersey are you going to be wearing that night? Oh, opening night game against the Vancouver Cucknocks. I cannot wait. It's going to be fantastic. Bud uh, Light in hand in my basement. I'm going to break out the roll blue for the game, number 97. Start the year off with the with the best threads that the Oilers have. Um, and, uh, you know, just sit there and, and wait to hear uh, Rev Theory as much as possible. Oh, man, I am going to be listening to Hell Yeah on repeat that entire Wednesday. I have I have an hour commute to work, and after I hit my Tim Hortons run at like probably six six thirty in the morning, I'm gonna be you're, I'm gonna hear the at like six forty five, and it's gonna be playing all day. Um, yeah, I'm gonna be rocking the royal blue as well. I'm probably gonna go dry sidle this year. I I tend to switch it out in case. Uh, in case anybody's wondering the way that I kind of go through my, my Jersey run or my Jersey schedule, I guess you could say is if the Oilers are not playing well, I always resort to my signed Taylor Hall Jersey because for some reason the Oilers win when I wear the Taylor Hall Jersey, I don't get it, but I'm going to try it out with the dry settle Jersey and then maybe swap to McDavid depending on how, on how the boys play. But if they start going on a bit of a slide, it's going to be Taylor Hall jersey on, and I'm just going to be reminiscing of his hat trick and thrashers and Chris Mason. Oh, you're aging yourself. You're date. You're carbon dating yourself with that. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I, I'm 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 so excited for this week. I I have to just get through these next three days of work, and then. I'll be I'll be the happiest man on Wednesday night. I uh, I, I already have it all planned. It's going to be I think the game starts at about ten o'clock my time, so I'm probably going to be staying up really late that night and then starting work really late the next morning. So I'm really excited. Uh, did you have any last thoughts for the inaugural episode of One for One? Mm, not so many. Not so much thoughts, but just. Happy we were finally able to get to do this. Like we said, Nolan and I have been talking about an Oilers podcast for a really long time. So it's cool to finally get to talk about the, you know, the team that's brought us together and a team that's been cheering for since I was a little kid. I've been an Oilers fan since that cup in 2000 and, uh, 2006 against the Hurricanes. Uh, being a young guy, eight hours from Edmonton, it was nice to see a team that you know was in my media market. I get to see a lot of their games finally be successful um and you know i've just been hooked and last year i had a little bit of crisis of faith i said if the oilers didn't make the playoffs i was going to start looking for a new team and while they made the play-ins and that was good enough for me good enough for Nolan and i to buy each other orange Connor mcdavid jerseys for christmas this year and and finally get odd going so i'm really excited that we were finally able to get to do this i hope anybody listening you know likes what we had to say if you didn't Fuck you. Tell me why I'm wrong. I love discussion. That's what makes democracy go around. Yeah. I want to, I want to preface by telling everybody, obviously the first, the first little while is going to be a bit, is going to be a bit rough, both on a technological standpoint, as well as a communication standpoint. So just so we're all on the same page, we know we're not coming in perfect, but we've been wanting to do this for a while and this has been pretty important to the two of us. Um, I'm, 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 I'm so excited. I hope everybody 
that's listening, whoever you are, uh, I hope you enjoy it too. So with that being said, uh, this has been the first episode of One for One, and I want to thank everybody for tuning in. So please subscribe, leave a review. I haven't been able to leave reviews on Apple Podcasts lately, so if it doesn't work, then just just share it around. Uh, we'll we'll have it, we'll have a Twitter account pretty soon, and eventually we'll have a have an email and have have an Instagram and all that stuff. And hopefully we turn this into something a, a little bit bigger than what it is. But on that note, thank you very much for listening, and I hope you have a lovely evening. Goodbye. Go Oilers, go. Go Oilers, go.